This is a hometown girl makes good story with special magic that comes when the hometown is New Orleans. The moral of the story, be yourself, rings true throughout. It's on tip of the tongue. Welcome to Tip of the Tongue, a podcast on the Nitty Grits Network, where we explore the intersection of food and drink and museums. This is Liz Williams. We're here today with Toya Bodie. She's a chef, a writer, and a TV personality. She is unapologetically a New Orleanian. The city is lucky to have her. Her new book is Coming, Cooking Forth a Culture. Welcome, Toya. Thank you for having me. So tell me, before we start talking about your book, which I think is absolutely beautiful, by the way, I love especially the pictures mixed of family pictures and food shots and things. Thank you. I'm glad you like that. Yeah, I do very much. But before we dive into the book, I want to ask you how it was you decided to become a chef. I think it decided that I was going to become a chef <laughs> more than I decided to become a chef. So I've been cooking since the age of, I re, I mark it by the first time that I fried something by myself. Uh-huh. That was in third grade. I cut up potatoes and made French fries with a cast iron skillet and fried it. You know, so I know I was doing stuff before then, but it's often on blurs of easy bake oven type stuff. But, you know, it was one of those things where it just kind of followed me. Like it was something that I did in my downtime because I was always punished, you know, because I just I wasn't I wasn't good at school. I was a good student. Like I wasn't disrespectful. But as far as passing and stuff like that, I just I just wasn't that kind of kid. So I stayed punished. So that was one of the things that I did because I wasn't outside playing or I didn't have friends over and stuff like that. So it just kind of cooking found its way into every dull pocket of my life, you know, whether it be me being a single parent with my own apartment at 19 and realizing, okay, I can't, well, I can't buy fast food every day. So I got to cook all the time, you know, or, you know, it just stuff like that way, just kind of haunted me almost you know and then I went to culinary school and I no one knew this but the whole time I was being an artist in the city I was going to culinary school for 14 years to finish a two-year program like I kept dropping in and out you know between that and theater because I knew I wanted to be on stage on television you know so that's kind of how I became a chef it just followed me heavily so how did you choose Nunez, which for those people who don't know, is um, a community college that has a culinary program, but it's not in New Orleans. It's kind of in the suburbs in, in a different parish. How did you choose Nunez as opposed to Delgado? Well, honestly, I, I went to Delgado first and it just, I dropped out like after the first semester, I just didn't, I just didn't want to. 
you know? And then some time passed and I was working at this and this is why you got to click up with the right people who will push you to do stuff. Mm -hmm. Now I was on my lunch break. I was working at a doctor's office and this woman who was the office manager who I was working with, she was like, come with me on a lunch break. We're going to go get something to eat. And I got to go to the school. I go to, you know, for whatever to go do something. And I was like, okay. And at that time I was in a, a pretty abusive relationship and so we were going out for lunch and then we got to Nunez and she asked me to walk up to the window with her. And I'm just, you know, I mean, I have two older sisters. So, you know, I know how to be that younger sibling. So when she just told me to come, I went and she was filling out her paperwork, her application for Nunez. Uh -huh. And now at this point, she has a doctrine. Yep. So she kept going to school. But anyway, she did <laughs> like this. She reached behind the the desk through the window and she grabbed the application and a pencil and she said here and she smacked it down she said fill this out she's and I was like for what and she, <laughs> said, she said you're not just about to sit up under him all day and I was like okay and that's how I started going to Nunez oh wow <laughs> isn't that crazy that is crazy yes and she was just like do it you're not about to just sit up and be in a relationship and work you right. want to do something so and, yeah, and so did you find that your it, Nunez was your home? That was just like it felt right. Yeah, yes, it was a it was a click. Um, it didn't. God, I want to be nice. It's a family feel, and it also doesn't have sometimes the little social elitism issues that can happen sometimes in different schools that are more popular or you know it just it just felt different because some schools can feel like a conveyor belt versus a nurturing spot right, right. that's it that's it okay it's not a conveyor belt yeah that's really that's really nice to hear so I know that once you you were uh, there came a point where you said okay I'm going to not work at the doctor's office I'm going to be other things so how did that happen between the doctor's office they had Katrina and a whole bunch of other things that took me away and when I got back here I was off and on again because again I, I everything with me being as an artist I started accruing a buzz very quickly in the art circle here in the city so and then I started being in stage plays so I was like yeah I don't know about this culinary train you know, mm -hmm. and then after a while, some time passed and I had my youngest son and it was, I met my husband and two days before the wedding, I got fired from Capital One. Mm -hmm. Now they, they needed to fire me, Liz. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I was the worst teller. Even when the, even when the manager, even when the manager was crying, she was tearing up because she's like, I can't believe we're letting you go. And, we're, and I said, girl. I, I don't know how I lasted this long. I'm just not good at it. Girl, Liz, I was losing money. They had that one day they had to stay to eight o'clock oh, because wow. I misplaced $50,000. Oh my gosh. I processed it wrong. Mm -hmm. So it was in a whole nother system that somebody, because people were like, where is my money? And they would, they knew I didn't do anything. Right, right. So they were saying they're like, we gotta figure out she must have did something. And they checked the different processing system and they was like, 
this girl process the money the long way. So now we got to wait. Like it was just so much stuff. So when I got home, I told Chris and I told him that, you know, I, I got fired, blah, blah, blah. And he said, uh, and I said, don't even worry about it. You know, I'm going to hurry up and find another job right after the wedding. You know, that's what I do. I've been working since I was 15. And he was like, don't you have credits in culinary? Don't you have credits at, at school? And I said, well, I have two options. Dillard offered me a full scholarship because I did a play with them mm -hmm. um, under their arts department and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I had the credits at Nunez. So I went to, uh, I told him about Nunez and I said, okay, well, I'm going to just go see. And he said, well, why don't you do the one that you have the most credits in? And I said, okay. You know, even though I knew at this point, Liz, like <clears throat> what kept me breaking up with culinary is that I knew I didn't want to be a line cook. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with being a line cook. But I know I'm a person that I really know why I'm here on earth. And I can't live fully not doing what I'm, I know I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And I didn't see where culinary came in. You know, it took a while for me to see that. You know, um, looking back, it's like, hello, crazy lady. Like, obviously, it's been following you all this time. But, you know, at the time, I couldn't see it. And I was just like, I don't want to spend my life miserable when I know I'm supposed to be doing this. So I did it anyway, because I felt like, Toya, what are you going to do? Tell them no, you know, because you're thinking like, I'm about to get married and I don't have a job, you know, whatever. And I just had all these negative feelings about myself at the time with that. So I went back to school miserable every day. I, I, I'm talking, crying, not exaggerating, almost every day coming home, mm -hmm. you know, because I felt like I am about to just tank my life. I, I don't know what I'm doing. So one of my friends graduated and I was so, so excited for her. And, and that's the beauty of being excited for people mm -hmm. when they do something, because it can encourage you if you're genuinely excited, right. if you don't let envy get in the room or anything like that. And I was so excited about her graduating and how she had accomplished it. And I said, you know what, maybe I'm gonna stick this out. So I go to the bursar's office at Nunez and I, I say, well, how many classes I have left? And the girl's looking and then Liz, she gets quiet. And I'm like, hold up. I know she's not about to say two more years. And she said, you know what? Let's go to the dean's office. And at this point, I'm thinking, you know what? All right. I knew this was going to be a sham. I knew I was going to mess myself up. I get in the dean's office and she's looking at the computer. And she looked at me and she said, you don't have any more classes to take. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> she said, you're supposed to graduate like in two weeks, Liz, Must have been. I, okay. I, I leaped, I leapt so high that my glasses flew off my face and cracked on the ground. Oh, wow. <laughs> and in the, and in the book, I wrote that I said, that was a symbolic moment because I never saw myself the same after that. So I couldn't use those glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Child, it preached to me when I saw it and I thought, Oh my God. And I was, I remember being in the, the bookstore, you know, you get the cap and gown and I was holding my glasses thinking my glasses broke. Like my vision of myself will forever be changed. Uh -huh. And that is how I became a chef for real. That's how I really went all the way through with it. And then how did you mer merge your 
performance experience and your artistic experience with being a chef? How did you figure that out? They had a casting call for Hell's Kitchen. I I wasn't sure yet (laughs) at the time, but I did see a casting call with Hell's Kitchen coming to city. And I thought, Toya, Chef Ruth always said, she's like, Toya, you're a star. You can be you can be big like Emerald, if not bigger. She used to always tell me that. But you know, back then, um, it wasn't too many people that looked like me that was doing that. So it's it's kind of a far reach for you to be like, mm, I don't know, Chef Ruth, come on, you know, <laughs> you know, I don't know if that's gonna work, you know. Um, but when the Hell's Kitchen thing came up, I remember going in the quarters, and this was the thing more than anything that got me. When the casting producer was walking up and down the line and I was standing there, they did this. And when they paused and looked at me up and down like that and they jolted, I knew I said, oh, I still got it. Like, you know, in the art world, I knew I had it. Uh-huh. But I had never seen the it activated in a culinary world. So that's why I never stuck with it. Uh-huh. And that one jolt when the producers was like, whatever, and then they pulled me out the line. And that's when I knew, oh, maybe I should. So I got pretty far in that process. And they like the producer, the casting, oh my God, the worst. He um, he texted me. I had to text him. They teed me up, got my ID and everything. Like they were going to have me on the show. And then, you know, I'm like, hey, I should be getting a ticket soon. I'm supposed to be flying out. And I messaged him and he says, oh, I'm sorry, we decided to go a different direction. And when I tell you, I was so hurt. I think that had to be the first time or the first time that I broke down in a deep cry in front of heaven, you know, meaning like there were times when she saw me worshiping and she would see me crying and gratitude and stuff like that. But to be hurt crying, no, that's something I didn't, that's not. that's something I didn't do and after that when I finally got out of that funk I walked out of the room and I told Chris and I said I'm tired of I'm not gonna wait on anybody to give me a show I want to do it myself Mm -hmm. let's start one on I'm gonna start one on YouTube and it was like right after that it was just that moment of being like nah no you know f that you know what I mean I'm not I'm not waiting for somebody to do it you took control, basically. Yeah, That's, you have to. Yeah, yeah. If you want it, you got to get it. You got to be the one to grab it. Mm-hmm. No mm-hmm. one can't make you grab anything but you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to snatch it when it's going past you. Because people wait for stuff to come to their table. Uh-huh. And sometimes as the as the, the, the wind is fl- flying it past you, you got to reach out and snatch it from somewhere. And that's what I did. Yep. Yep. But you had gotten your validation and, Mm -hmm. and that really was great. I'm glad that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so now you see, do you see that your experience and your talent in um, performing helps you? Oh, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. That's why that's why I did things. See, with me being an artist first and at base, that's why I survived the Food Network Star experience. A lot of, if you look up 
the the cast a lot of them don't survive it. A lot of them aren't chefs after, a lot of them aren't, TV, aren't on TV after, a lot of them disappear even off the internet after, a whole bunch of different things. But before I got on shows, before I even chose to be on shows, mm -hmm. it wasn't like shows was just choosing me. I was strategically going after the ones that I know would be like a good chess move upward, right? Mm -hmm. The I had this idea in my mind, just the same way I play chess, like you just like, how am I going to move this way up the smartest way? But um, I studied. I studied shows. I watched shows season after season. I saw how they did things. I saw how the producer cut words. And I saw how, you know, I even studied uh, celebrities, A-list, D-list, you know, to see exactly like, how does this one stay out of controversy? How does this one get into controversy? How does this one become a D-list celebrity? What happens? You know, I studied all of those different uh, sides. So I had an advantage whenever I got on television. And I was really good with speech, performance arts, like stuff like that. So um, I was very calculated, you know, mm -hmm. so I knew what to do on the fly. I was, th that stuff really, truly prepped me. Now, I think the best, the best showing that how it prepped me was the last one with the Today Show. Mm -hmm. It's on my file, on my profile. If you go watch it. All of the people who I know in production was like, look, you you kept up with the pace. Like they were all talking about the pace and how nothing could throw you off and how you can answer questions and loop back this way and go this way. Like, you know, um, yeah, that that definitely get, gave me a leg up understanding the entertainment business. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And mm -hmm. so. So then, of course, let's talk about your book. So this isn't the first thing you've written. I know that you had a book before this mm -hmm. that you published, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so how did you go from that book to this book? This book is gorgeous. I mean, it just Thank you. really beautiful. Thank you. How much did you have control over it um, as opposed to the publisher doing that? a giant amount okay <laughs> this is why i don't go a moment without thanking and the editor from countryman press and just the team at countryman press because they bet right i'll say this i'm glad i didn't let them down because even when i was turning in the footage and i mean the the pictures even they were kind of like wait what are these family wait what are these poems what does any of this have to do with the <laughs> man, what the hell? Why? Why are you by wig heads? What's happening? Like, you know, so I, I they gave and honestly, they came to me. They came to me with my first book and, you know, they saw me and I felt like, you know what? You came to my front porch and you saw how my house was you saw what i you saw how i am you saw my social media presence you saw everything else obviously you picked toya so you know and they gave me a lot of control and i i i, I couldn't i don't even have words outside of deep breaths and maybe tears to explain how much I'm grateful for that process with them and them letting me be free. Because it it really proves that if you really, 
if you really want to do something, if you wait and you're patient, the thing that's a perfect fit for you will come, you know, and they gave me a lot of control with the cover, the even with the fonts. I mean, it was outrageous. The full, because, and the reason why, and I'll say this to other writers or people who are looking towards doing a book, they gave me that control, but you better believe that I. Sh they saw that I could drive a car, yeah. you know? They saw that if you see, if I showed you the proposal, it'll show you that the vision for the book was there already. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like I was throwing out random stuff and just whatever. No, I'm very structured. You give me a deadline on the 25th, it's going to be in on the 13th. Like mm -hmm. I'm very, right. so I make it easy for you to trust me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. creatively. And, and so how, let, let me ask you how you put together the book. In other words, how did you decide on the the balance between family, family recipes, things from your, your childhood, what you put in there today. How did you do that? Um, I did that by telling the story through food, you know, almost as like, I have a quote in my book that uh, another chef told me that food was just a vehicle for me. The food was a vehicle. And I drove you through my life. And I took you from the start to finish. I just let the story, the story was in the front seat. I mean, in the, in the driver's seat, but the food was in the passenger side. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I did it. And I followed, I did a format in my mind. And well, I told the team too, the format is like trimesters for a baby, you know, mm -hmm. first trimester, second trimester, third trimester, birth. Uh -huh. And that's how I did it. The book initially, fun fact, it was initially supposed to be a set of chapters, trimesters, but they were like, look, I, I can't, I can't, I can't handle that. I don't know where that's going. I don't know. <laughs> you know, and I was like, okay, I'll let that go. And it was like, it was like, I, we'll figure out a way to make it make sense. But, you know, cause it was already an unorthodox picking with the recipes too. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I said, but and you got to realize this, this had to have them scared shitless on a slick because it, it, at that point, they weren't seeing the stories when I was telling them how the recipes were going to go. Oh yeah. So that was hard for them. They had to take a leap of faith. Yes. <laughs> and that's, and you know, I, I run into, I run into artists and they'll, they'll say certain things, how they want this. And I said, you want the control I had, you gotta, you gotta, they gotta have something they can stand on. They gotta be able to trust something. Right, right. That's that's a lot of money and time and resources. But once they saw the stories, I think Stephanie, I think 50, 60 percent of the way through a writing, they start to do this. OK, I see where it's going. <laughs> For a long time, they were blind, you know, right. that's how I did it. And I even did the recipes. I did the recipes first before writing anything. Uh huh. So I did that within 10 days. I got all of those recipes out and I just have a ridiculous memory though, too. So I can, I can almost walk myself through it when I see the picture again through the moment. Also, you have quite a bit of narrative in this cookbook, which is the storytelling, not only the 
the storytelling per recipe, which seems to be what people are doing in lots of cookbooks today. They're putting a lot of narrative with each recipe, why they like it or how they developed it. But you have much more like memoir type um, writing in here. So did that come at the end to sort of weave everything together? How did you, how did you do that? It was all the way through it from the beginning. Right. From the beginning, I knew in order to explain the story, I had to take you through me cooking at 15 at a corner store. Like, and I had to make all of that make sense. Now, some of that, I found out later that I had to go deeper in a writing process. And, you know, Anne had to remind me, which I think people who are novice in the writing department in that way. You know, I wrote a lot of like entertaining style literature, like poetry, you know, but that kind of writing, she was like, well, wait, no, these people have, who are going to see this have never met you before. So you're going to have to explain, how did you end up stop working at the corner store? Like after you got pregnant and I just had to dive. It was like the heaviest therapy section session. I never asked for a girl. I'm still I'm still recovering from that thing that was a child it was stuff that I was saying that I always said in like two lines uh-huh. I got pregnant at 15 blah, 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 blah. you know I, I say it so fast that I don't think about the details and going through the details like put it this way my sister she can only read one story at a time and she ends crying every time yeah yeah Cause she's like, I never, I saw you, but I didn't know the life you were living uh-huh. like on the inside, you know? So it was a lot. So when, when people talk to you about this cookbook, do they say to you or write to you that it's touched them? Do they, yes. do they tell you that, that they connect with you personally yeah. with the recipes? Yes. Yes. Lots of crying lots of yes I'm telling you it's countless messages that I've gotten that people have felt like my initial like in the beginning of the book when I write that I want to light as many fires Mm -hmm. as possible so that the path isn't as dark you know and that I that this book when you close it it knocks the dust off a dream waiting like I I remember sitting at this table in particular, just sitting and just getting deep into the intention of I want people to close this book and be like, oh, oh my God, I need to do this. Yes, you need to do it. You're 60, do it. 70, do it. You're breathing, right? Do it. Mm-hmm. I do believe yeah. that it would it would inspire people even if they weren't interested in cooking, if they were interested in something else, this book has a lot of inspiration in it. And Thank uh, you. I think you should be really proud of that. I mean, besides the fact that it's a great book and it has good recipes and all those other wonderful things, and it's really beautiful. I think that it would, it would touch people, even people who weren't cooks or weren't interested in food or anything like that. And yeah. Then, a really remarkable thing because I don't think every cookbook does that (laughs) yeah so I love the picture the oyster dressing picture (laughs) I just think that is so fabulous Um, I love it 
So tell me how that picture got taken. Well, everything is was done in the house. All the shots for the book, everything. You know, outside of the street shots where you saw me like under the bridge, play ball, that kind of thing. Describe this picture for us because people don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, the, the picture of my youngest son and youngest daughter on the fireplace in a living room. And um, it's the clothes that they're wearing, that good olive earth tone. In my living room, there's a lot of elements like brick, wood. I have a ton of plants everywhere. So I wanted that feel to have like an earthy, comfortable vibe. Mm -hmm. And the lighting in my house, all downstairs is all amber lighting. So it's very relaxed when you walk in, right? And we had just wrapped the day before we did 10 shot, 10 days for all of the food shots, which is like about maybe 70 plus recipes. And we did two days for all of the culture shots. That's mm -hmm. all the shots of me, different places and stuff like that around the city. But at the end of that, that last night, we did the shot in the shots in the house, you know, and I had a bunch of food cooked and everybody who was going to be in the book, like my sisters, my parents, they were all at the house. So uh -huh. I had food cooked, champagne, <laughs> all types of stuff going on. And we was just walking around the house, catching random shots, you know, like shots of him doing the makeup, you know, shots of me sitting on the couch. I mean, Chris and I sitting on the couch. Like we just, all of those shots were created just in that moment. And my kids are very, they're empaths. So they're very quiet a lot of times, unless they're super comfortable. Uh -huh. And that night, the atmosphere was so warm that we got both of them to be in a comfortable place to be on camera. And it was just, it, it, it all worked out perfectly. That's a great picture. So tell, so tell me, because we're coming to the end of our time, um, what's next for you? Well, you don't have to tell me things that are like secrets that are in development. Yeah, I, I definitely, yeah, I, in my mind, immediately I started sifting like you cannot say that or that. But uh, <laughs> but I will say my immediate, as in corporate terms, immediate call to action. My uh -huh. the thing I need to do immediately is just sit in the moments, Liz. I everything is rolling so fast. I'm just trying not. I'm trying not to misuse the moments of silence, mm -hmm. you know, because I, you know, I'm trying not to misuse those. I'm trying to soak it up. I still haven't completely, to be honest, digested being on a Today Show. Uh -huh. I haven't, just those moments is just like, you know, you got to realize, like I was explaining to my mama, I said, Ma, you... Because she was like, hi, you know, make sure you keep yourself level. I said, level? Me? I said, let me tell you something. Y'all just catching up to what I've been seeing in my mind all these years. This is, so that's the, that's the, that's the crux of it all. Like, I've seen all of this in my mind, manifesting uh -huh. it. So now that I'm here, it's almost like I'm just looking around at everything, you know? Uh -huh. I just, I what's next for me is me learning how to appreciate the now and not running to the next, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. man, it's so hard. 
it's so hard not to just think so what's next what am I gonna do and it's like no Toya you need to pause yeah yeah I'm trying to pause well and that'll also help you not burn out if you do have the, the skill of being able to pause then you can go forth again and mm-hmm. not feel like I'm on fire and I I gotta quit, you know, because I think that right. to a lot of people. They just can't keep going. Mm-hmm. That definitely happens to me. And I we started this thing, um, Chris and I, um, you know, he's my he's my husband and my manager. <laughs> Excuse me. So we came we came up with this idea Well, he had been saying this for a while. Once I really started getting into traveling and stuff. And he said, you probably need a weekend where it's just you in a hotel room, nobody else. Uh-huh. And we started doing that. We just did it this weekend. After, and I feel on fire. I feel fantastic. That's great. And you know what I do? I sit in the room. He's like, you want to pack a suitcase? I said, suitcase. I'm only packing stuff that I need to walk to the lobby in to get something from Uber Eats. I, I go to Uber Eats and I go right back up to my room. The TV isn't on. Like I'm just sitting inside, I listen to podcasts, you know, mm-hmm. some things like development things. That's about it. Maybe I'll play a playlist, but for the most part, I'm sitting in silence. And when I come home, I'm like, let's go. You know, I'm ready. So I do that now. I will say that. That sounds really great. Well, Toya, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. And thank you so much for writing this book, Cooking for the Culture by Toya Bodie. Really fabulous book. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, Liz. Thanks for listening to Tip of the Tongue, part of the Nitty Grits Network of the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans. Learn more and subscribe to this and other podcasts at southernfood.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Find us on Facebook on Nitty Grits Podcasts. I'm Liz Williams. Thanks for listening.